Welcome to the Evolving Advisor Podcast, dedicated to equipping independent financial advisors with the tips, insights, and knowledge to help you achieve success in business and life. Host Jeff Concepcion shares 30 years of experience as an advisor, entrepreneur, and CEO. Join Jeff and the industry's top thought leaders as they help you evolve from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow. Now here's your host, Jeff Concepcion. Jeff Concepcion is solely an investment advisor representative of Stratus World Partners and not affiliated with LPL Financial. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Jeremy Finger and Riverbend Wealth Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial. Hi, this is Jeff Concepcion and welcome to the Evolving Advisor Podcast. I'm very pleased today to have my friend and partner, Jeremy, joining us. Jeremy Finger is the president of Riverbend Wealth Management. Kind of interesting, the name of the firm was developed as a result of the area where he grew up, where it was, I think, called the Riverbend area, where he and his dad did a lot of fishing and enjoying the outdoors. And that was the genesis for the name of his business. I think it was also his dad that had an influence on him taking an interest in the stock market and developing an early age desire to learn more about investments and participate. He's a graduate of the College of Charleston. He married, as he says, an oligree above his ranks, a lovely <laughs> young lady, Iron, in 2001, and they have one son, Elliot. He has a passion for tennis and actually helped coach the tennis team at Myrtle Beach High School. And he's doing some really, really interesting stuff in the areas of marketing, branding, social media, and business development that he's going to share with us today. So I'm really pleased to uh, to have him join us today. So Jeremy, thanks for, thanks for visiting. Um, well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's been a journey, bud. So you're building this independent practice and you're doing some stuff. The reason I wanted to invite you is you're doing some stuff that I think is interesting and unique and different. But before we get into that, why don't we talk a little bit more about table stakes? What are some of the sort of basic foundational things that you did to help yourself get started and in sort of the wirehouse side of the world and maybe some of those same things that you're applying to help foundationally on your independent journey? Okay. Uh, well, uh, Jeff, you've been an integral part of it, okay? And the company Stratus has been great. Coming from a, a, the wirehouse background where you kind of had to march like a stormtrooper and listen to the empire tell you what to do. You know, when we're in the independent space, at least I found is like you can be incredibly creative and kind of share your voice to the world in a way that, and deliver service to people in the way that you see fit and with a lot less constraint. And so you guys have been a tremendous help in, in setting up some infrastructure in place to allow for us to be creative in, in what we do for our clients. So, yeah. And when you, you speak that. of creative, you are a creative young man. Most of the time I embrace <laughs> it. Occasionally I shudder, but I'm teasing. But you you have lots of great ideas. And I'll t this is the beauty of our model, I think. And when I say our model, I don't mean us. I mean independence. There's so yeah. many tools out there. And you're a super inquisitive guy and you stumble across all these tools. I think a few of them we're in the process of adopting now. And mm. and, and I'll say the name. So at Merrill Lynch, I'm not sure it's often that a creative and inquisitive F.A., says, hey, there are these great tools and technologies, and why don't we adopt these? And But the beauty of open architecture is we have guys out, out there like you who are pioneering, and you're sending stuff in. And I think 
we as an independent firms, not Stratus, create better platforms because of all these folks out there that are learning and seeking to sort of improve their deliverables. So I want to thank you for that, but maybe talk about that sort of inquisitive aspect you have of the industry and finding new tools and solutions. Okay. So it's like, hey, you know, how do we how do we deliver our services better to the client? So that I mean, that's kind of like thinking in terms from the client point of view, knowing what we know, how can we be better? Um, so that so that a client can help um live a better life and with the least amount of friction possible. And then we ourselves as advisors and as, and as CEOs of financial planning companies deliver those products and services in the most efficient way possible. Um, yeah, I mean, back before we had CRMs, you know, maybe we had, you know, Rolodexes and things like that. And you had to do one to many calls. You had to do, keep doing phone calls. But through the area of technology and all these different innovation, uh, innovation these tools available, you know, how can we do that? And so you all, I mean, Stratus has certainly been great at being able to, hey, these guys want these tools and gals want these tools to be able to deliver to clients and y'all being able to implement and allow us to use these. It's been great, really has. So talk about how, I mean, when you came over, obviously you were successful already at Merrill, you had built a seven figure practice. How did you acquire those clients? You might've been dialing early on, but did you develop any niches? Was there anything unique that you were doing from a marketing or referral standpoint then? Obviously doing it within the confines of the empire as you describe it, right? There's kind of a playbook, but how did you express any of the individuality and what led to the book that you had before you became independent? Well, um, that's a good question. Um, truthfully, you know, back in the late 90s, it, a lot of it was cold call. And when I started out, I was young. And, and so the, my peers didn't have much money. And, and so we would call them you know, bonds that were paying, you know, six, seven, eight percent at the time or, and try to do it that way. Obviously not very efficient, but it was very, it was very inexpensive because I can just trade my level of time into doing these calls. Um, also transition that to uh, seminars, you know, calling people instead of doing cold calling about a bond or, you know, doing a seminar. Hey, you know, we have a seminar and try to educate the marketplace on, on what we can provide. And that really kind of how I built my practice that way. But we are limited. We were limited in 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 how you know these the way we present our material and in what we who we can call like hey we can only call within a certain geographical location or only deliver our message within a geographical location because hey we can't go to the neighboring city because there's another branch in another city right and so I have a friend of mine in real estate and he's like one of the top one percent people in real estate in the country and he says hey. You can't uh, call in a different city or you can't help some people and in, in market in a different city. I said, no. He says, I can sell real estate as long as it's on earth. Okay. So that's a nice marketplace. That's a nice that's marketplace. Right. That's Open right. market. Now he said this, Jeff, he said this to me like over like 20 years ago. And I'm sitting there like, Darren, that'd be nice. But I had so much fear about what it would be like on in the independent space that I didn't think that, that I could do it. And guess what, Jeff, maybe at the time I couldn't. Um, but going through enough pain, a little bit more, enough confidence in, in utilizing a lot of the tools that you guys brought to play um, allowed me to become more in, become independent. <laughs> awesome. So, so talk about as you, if you built this nice book, you migrated it over, you've got this foundation, and now you're thinking about, and it's a little bit crazy because it's like the wild, wild west, right? All these different ways that you could grow and market that you didn't before. 
what research did you do and and what was your kind of first foray into the world of driving SEO and branding and some of these creative stuff you're doing, these webinars? So how how did it start and how did it evolve? Okay. That's a good question. Um, well, first is like once I went through the transition and I, you know, after the fear kind of dissipated and I knew I was gonna be okay. It's like, okay, what do I do? Do I want to play golf three days a week and just kind of coast, or I really want to see what this thing can do. And I say this thing, I've always had these ideas on things, but I wasn't ever able to execute because I kept going up against the, you know, the evil empire, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, <laughs> I've got this vision, by, I've got this, my son loves Star Wars. I've got this vision of the marching. Everybody's dressed the same, marching in unison. I know, I know. Look, there's a lot of good people I've met. I mean, really, really good people. It's just, but it wasn't for me being a little bit more entrepreneurial and, and having ideas. So, so, you know, when, when I woke up and said, you know, really thinking, hey, what can, what can we do here? I wanted to be able to do things in a digital way because like, like if we, if I'm doing research now on anything, what do we do? We punch it in Google, right? So how can, how can I speak to the world in, in a, in a, in a digital, in the digital realm. Um, and not and just, it, your, not just your own town, I guess. No, that's the right. world, the world. That, 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 that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. But, but okay. So, I mean, I can have the, okay. So I need to have a good foot digital footprint. All right. So that starts with the website. Great. And so it, making sure that the website was what it really needed to be. And so Samantha Russell um, who is with 20 over 10. And I think she's with FMG suites now because they combined all of her videos were just fantastic. She talked about two major things that really stuck, stuck in mind. Who are you serving and what do you do? And that person, whoever's going to your website needs to know that in the first three seconds. All right, great. Guess what? I didn't have that. <laughs> it's like, all right. Okay. So I need to, I need to have a niche. And I, I need to say what I do. Um, and, and then the next thing she said, she's like, oh, yeah, for the biggest thing you want to have for conversion is a scheduling tool. Uh, we use Calendly, Calendly, where they can click on the website and set up a 15-minute phone call. We call that a compass call. Um, and our intention on that call is just to help that person step in the right direction, whatever that may be. I mean, sometimes we help people directly on that call. And, you know, let them know, hey, you need to do these two or three things based on what you're telling us. And, and sometimes it needs to be a deeper dive and we go into that way. But and then the other aspect of it is like, well, I was trying to figure out the game was like, well, hey, is there a way to kind of trick Google and be high on SEO? No, it's just like exercising. Guess what you got to do? Put your shoes on. <laughs> right. You got to go. You got to get sweaty. So it, it is like, how can we be how can we deliver? our information. Um, and really it took blogging. So for me, it's like, Hey, my, our target market is pre-retirees and retirees speaking to them on the topics that are, they're interested in or, or they need to be interested in social security optimization, tax efficient retirement planning distributions, um, required minimum distributions, uh, qualified charitable distributions, all these different questions and nuances around that. And, and really it kind of, you know, knowing that I, I needed to speak to that audience, it, it helped focus us on our message, which also helped me become a better advisor, I feel. And let, then, let me ask you a question. So, you're, so there are 
So the concepts of blogging creating sort of increased visibility, right? And the messaging going to what I think Samantha told you early on is, you know, what exactly are are you saying and what are you doing and who are you doing it for? Where's the content coming around this technical competency? Do you outsource that? What do you recommend people outsource or do they learn it and then create their own content? Okay, that's a good question. All right. So a couple that you brought up a good point that really reminded me is like you can have the greatest billboard sign in the world and our website's a billboard sign. So, uh, but if it's sitting in the middle of the woods somewhere, no one's going to see it. So someone needs to see it, right? And so well, one way that they can see it is to rank higher on the searches. And to do that is having content that's relevant. Unfortunately, well, base level one would be outsourced to content. Okay, you can do Snappy Kraken or a lot of these other places. Um, I, Money Visuals is also very, very good, but a lot of that stuff you can't put on your website, but you can communicate to clients in a way that uh, directly through email, that'd be great. But you, if everybody has the same content, clients know, people know, and, and it's not going to give you a lot of boost from SEO. It, and I'm no real expert in it, but it needs to be your voice and you. And then if it is, and it's unique to you, that also helps. One other thing that you can also do when you when I started blogging, I mean, it, I mean, I'm I kid you not, Jeff. I kid you not. Out of my whole life, English is my worst. And if you hear, listen to me talk, this guy doesn't use properly English. Okay, but, it sounds pretty damn good, buddy. It's <laughs> a little a little bit of a southern drawl, but that's not your fault. It sounds good. <laughs> that's right. Well, the thing is, is that when. And the irony is, is I'm writing on a weekly basis. That's the irony of all this. But but writing these articles again makes me I feel it gives me a, makes me a better advisor and ranks higher up on SEO because it's custom, and we, and it's a library of information. Would it be social security and all these different things. So building so how that. How often library are you up, writing, Jeremy? How often do you take the time? Because it's not easy, right? You got to get no. a concept. You got to get a draft, and you're then you're refining because you're putting it out there. You want it to be buttoned up and. If you really looked at all my stuff, is it really buttoned up? The answer is no. Hold on, but that, that brings up another good question. Is the objective to put out really good, thoughtful content or incredibly well-written? And, and the answer might be focus on the quality of the messaging, not necessarily the quality of the writing and drive more content. I don't know exactly how that works. What would you advise in that regard? Okay, so for me, if I focus on trying to be perfect, I will never complete it. It'll never go out. Yep. And so I'll write weekly. And so it like I kind of ruminate on an idea like if and I that couple, weekly that weekly is W E E K L as opposed to W E A K. Oh, it's probably both. not a word, by the way. I'm teasing. It's both. It's, it's both. both. Yeah, you I, write it, weekly it, and weekly. No, I, we, exactly. Oh, <laughs> it's both. It's both weeklies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like if, here's the thing about being on the front line. You end up having the, all the questions. So when the market's down, you know, twenty five percent, we talk about market volatility and retirement, right? And when the market's up. Okay, hey, diversification, not being in concentrated positions, or hey, the COLA came out with Social Security for next year. All right, great. How Social Security plan for retirement? What are some Social Security strategies to talk about? And, and, and then just simply getting a consistent message. All right. So um, it, you can see me, Jeff, and those that know me, I'm not very, you know, I'm not a tall, strapping, long legged, athletic, thin person. But I did an, a full Ironman last year. And uh, I kid you not, on Thanksgiving, I could not run three miles 
But 10 months later, we did a full Ironman. And that was because really I had good coaching, number one. But number two is just simply being consistent. So my first step is certainly not beautiful, but just simply starting in one or two sentences, get it compliance approved, send it out to 10 people. Two or three more sentences, get it compliance approved, send it out to 15 people. All right, great. And then you'll find that you're going to need a email distribution database to send consistently out and work through those processes just to start. Okay, just to begin. And then over the course of time, the writing gets better. It gets more in depth. You start having resources. Oh, hey, Jeremy, what, what is it about qualified charitable distributions or health savings account? Great. It's funny. You should ask. I've written three articles on this. Let me send you the links. Boom. And you send it there. So now you have a library of information to, and it also gives credit as uh, social proof to people who are looking you up. Hey, oh, he's written about this or he's talked about this. One other thing I, I failed to mention is that I'm part of FPA and there's FPA, there's HARO, H-A-R-O, which is help a reporter out. There's also quoted Q-W-O-T-T-E-D, I think that all of these are media outlets that are looking for advisors to, to hey, answer this question. I just saw one from CNBC. It was um, something about, oh, hey, how to give money to charity in a tax efficient way. Right. And then, then what you do is you just simply respond to that email. And what happens is, guess what? Verdin Wealth Management comes up on their, on their site and they link back to your website, which helps increase SEO. So Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett partner, talked about the Lollapalooza effect, meaning that there's multiple different positive things that happen and they're all interrelated and they feed off each other. It's kind of like. Yeah, a, so, so it's very interesting what you're saying. So it's. And my takeaway is I think you've been very thoughtful at this and you've chipped away and that this is a process, not an event, right? If you want a great SEO, there might be ways you can attempt to buy one, but it's really a process. It's chipping away and content and being quoted. And it's all the pieces and parts that add up to something that becomes really meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like most meaningful things, it doesn't happen at one shot. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. How many times did you have to ask your bride before she said yes? Was it multiple times? No, no, oh. teasing. No, no, that's also probably less than I've written. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> I mean, funny. Well, more than I've written. More I mean, than you've really. written. Oh yeah, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. No question. I love it. That. Yeah. So, so this is great. I mean, I, honestly, this is a learning experience for me, and this is not something that I've spent a lot of time on, but it's certainly stuff that I'd love to share with other FAs, and we kind of are through this venue. And maybe this is a good segue to talk about kind of the evolution of some of the stuff that you're doing through sort of social media and the web and everything else. You've begun to do some really cool stuff from a marketing standpoint that's actually, and I would say a lot of the stuff that you're doing is visibility and branding, but you're actually turning it into actually client acquisition would be the next extension of that. Can you talk about some of the workshops that you're doing and what, what the genesis of that was and, and what you've learned? Okay, uh, good question. So once you have, let's just say, a great billboard sign and you're speaking to an audience and then you're driving SEO up, great, but it's not... That's more, it's, it's kind of hard to, well, I mean, you do, get, we do, and we track how many people we get coming in from website stuff, but, but how can we do top of funnel um, marketing activities? So if you think of it like a funnel, someone that you don't know, how does it, how are they going to be in your universe? And so uh, what we do is we do Facebook marketing. 
Okay. So a lot of people in our demographic are um, 55 and older. And, and so and they're asking questions about social security taxes and retirement and distributions. And so you can, you can buy Facebook ads about these topics and, and they can, what we do is we do webinars. So they link in, okay. And they register and then they watch us on a webinar. That's kind of top of funnel meaning. And then once they are in that, that top, um, we capture their email address and then we guess what they do. They also get our blog post on a weekly basis, right? So, but when they're watching that webinar, it, is it possible that when they watch that webinar that they may want to reach out to us and set up a time to talk? Yeah, it's possible. Most of the time that isn't the case, but in the event, in the event that they're not, well, maybe six, eight months, a year down the road, they're getting our weekly emails. They may want to reach back to us. Does that make sense? It makes yeah. total sense because it's, yeah. it's staying in touch, right? I mean, they, they get to know you in one way. They see you, you express some good content. And by the way, they could have loved the workshop that you've done. But if that's the last they hear of you, four months from now, somebody in the family dies, you get an inheritance, they're not going to call. But if they continue to get these drips and the blogs and some of your recent content, you're staying top of mind. And I think the way that you weave these things together, it's very thoughtful. And I'm guessing very effective. Yeah, it, it really it really has has been. But again, like that, the webinar aspect of it, probably would have never come about unless I started doing the blogging, right? It's like, hey, you know, the paths that I could go to show up once I start walking in a direction. So if that makes sense. And can someone see these webinars after the fact? Do you record them and are they part of your website or? No, I don't have them on the website. And that's intentional uh, because I want to have, I want to be able to have a certain structure, a process that they must go through to watch. And so I want them in, in a structured way so that the chances of them signing up for a 15 minute phone appointment are higher. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And so we don't have it that way. Now I do record the webinars at times to where that I'm doing the replay and they're watching the webinar, but I'm I'm doing the live chat. Like if someone is responding, asking a question in the chat feature, we are responding live. Okay. That's important because I want to be able to, but like when someone is, is within our ecosystem, I want them to have their questions answered is the most efficiently possible. And if they're asking the wrong question, that's fine. I will ask more questions to get an idea of what, what's important to them and try to shoot them in the right direction. Yeah. Good, good. So when you think about all the stuff that you're doing, the, the process, not the event, right? Having a great bill. I love that, by the way, the saying billboard, having a billboard, which is your website, driving traffic to it, increasing your SEO, blogging, the workshops. What's How does that sort of culminate in clients? Because I know that you're generated a lot of business in doing this and you're growing at a great pace. How, is there a way to kind of say the collective, if someone does these things well collectively, they could expect an outcome of... X. I don't know. Okay, Jeff, I don't know. I do know that if I do these things, I'm actually doing something that should move the needle. Um, some months we get, I mean, we've gotten three high net worth clients in a, in a month from just from SEO, just someone calling in on the website. If you look at our metrics last year and this year, we're going extremely fast. And so I, 
I mean, it is a combination of many different things. I mean, is it, put it this way, when I'm building this stuff or doing these things, I think it's going to move the needle and it has moved the needle in a huge way. But is it, it, it was, I, I'm not attached to the outcome. All right. I try to leave a lot of variability within the outcome so if that I can, I'm not so discouraged along the way. Like we were doing these webinars. I was doing it a certain way last year and I changed it this year that allow us to have a lot more flexibility and be able to do it in a, on a national level. And I thought it was, we were going to have this stuff set up in a month or two. I mean, it actually took seven months. And so if I kept getting so attached to the outcome or spending money in the area, then not really seeing any results. For me, I get frustrated but like by that. But if I keep thinking, well, hang on, let me fix this. Let me fix this. Let me fix this. I, when I look back on, in time, I'm like, well, we made a lot of progress. Yeah, it's very interesting, right? It's almost like the notion of measuring too much. If I ever paid attention to the places I've flown and the meetings I've had and the number of teams that join every year, I would never want to go there because there's a chance that 85% of what I'm doing is not going to result in something. What matters is that 15% that does has a phenomenal, phenomenal outcome, right? So you almost don't want to measure so much that it becomes a disincentive. You just know that the collective process that you're doing has meaningful net new assets coming in. And some of the stuff that you're doing, you know, may lead directly, others may not, but you have to be in the process. You have to be in traffic in order to make this stuff happen. So that's right. And, and most of Jeff, most people that, that, that you're referring to don't do it because that for, for that very reason. I, I remember there was a video I saw of, of uh, uh, Yvonne Linda was a huge tennis player in the eighties. And he I remember. says, yeah. So he, he, he talked about for me to perfect a shot, it takes me a year and a half. Thankfully it takes me a year and a half because most people won't do that. They'll give up after two or three months. Right. So doing those things, even though it may not, it may, you may go down a rabbit hole that doesn't work. Great. I've eliminated that rabbit hole and I learned from it. Let's move to this, this thing here. And so yeah. judgment goes up. So this is a tough question. The t- there are two components. There's time and money. A lot of the stuff you're doing takes time. And I'm guessing with Facebook, some of this stuff requires, and the webinars maybe requires money and resources. Do you have any sense at all as to, math, to the mathematics, not of the time, but for the money that I spend marketing and SEO and blogging and Facebook advertising, that it costs me X to bring in X yeah, amount of... I almost know to the dollar. Okay. I know very much. Okay. So like on the Facebook stuff, the webinars and stuff, um, you, uh, we grew our top line revenue last year by 160,000 bucks and we spent 50,000. All right. So that's insanely, insanely efficient. Yes insanely efficient yeah very much oh yeah 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 because and, if it, to use old school math to buy one hundred and sixty thousand dollars of revenue through m a you're spending 400 grand right or, or what you need to do is just give me 400 grand Jeff. i might i, I think when, i think when our <laughs> office i might i'll be ready to so very very interesting so and yeah. that's really efficient now granted there's a lot of time energy and effort there's a sweat contribution in addition to the 50 grand that, that's right. And guess what? Wow. Okay. So <laughs> as crazy as it may seem, all right, great. How could I have made that better? And I went through seven daggum months here to trying to change it, to make it better. And I think we finally got it better. And now we're back to, you know, revenue positive. So love it with, with that. But also like you did say another point, it was like, Hey, well, you're taking time and effort. The only way I could do this is to have enough margin within my day 
and have a certain systems in place and good people in my office to take care of that, to be able to allow me to free think and do some certain things as well. Okay. So another great question. How much time do you think you allocate either daily or weekly to content and block? Is it 30 or 40 minutes a day? Is it substantially more than that? I'd probably say if I'm guessing five, five hours a week, seven hours okay. a week. So maybe. not terrible, maybe an hour and change a day, but it, it is meaningful by the way. It, it'll show up as someone, if you went to a coach and they asked you where you're spending your time, that's an item on there. Content, yeah. blogging, social right, right. media. But the thing about it is, it's just like Netflix, right? They create a program and it's there forever and they can monetize it forever, right? So when one when article's created, it lives out there forever. And so it, it, there's a monetization value. Maybe it's only a couple pennies, I'm guessing, <laughs> but it's there. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's super insightful, bud. So as we wrap up, I have one last question before I ask you if you have any closing comments. World's sure. best mug on your desk. Did you buy it for yourself or did someone buy it for you? <laughs> <laughs> someone did buy it for my, my uh, I believe yeah, it. Yeah. No. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd forgotten that's back there, but yeah, that's there. Feeling you had your wife go out and buy it just so you could plant it for the, for the podcast right behind you. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, so any closing thoughts, super, super insightful. And I'll tell you, I think what you're doing, there aren't a lot of people doing it or doing it with the discipline and consistency that you are. And consequently you're yielding really, really good results, but any sort of final takeaways? Yeah. Like, so learn and there's, it's like my, my ideas aren't necessarily original. There's some great people out there who are doing some marketing. Again, Samantha Russell, Taylor Schulte. He, you know, he and Justin Castilli started AGC, a mastermind group. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, I had a coach, Steve Sandusky. He was fantastic too. Of course, podcast. Your podcast is wonderful. Dan Crosby's podcast is great. Uh, Joe Deach has a book called Elevate that I learned a tremendous amount from. Because in independent world, okay, now you're a business owner right? You have to think about managing and, hey, guess what? Being a good boss. I don't know what that was about when I started. And hell, I still don't know. <laughs> I just try. Me either. That makes two of us. Yeah. No, you do a great job, Jeff. You really do. But you, know, you said something very interesting there that a lot of the stuff that you're, not, that you're doing isn't necessarily original. And, and it's, it seldom is. It's execution, right? You don't have to conceive of something incredible. You have the discipline and execution to make what other people do with less discipline, more effective. So I think it's less about originality and more about consistency. And I think that's one of the reasons you're having the success that you are. Right. And it's like, it, I fail a lot, and I've tried, but I try to fail fast and learn fast and try not to get too attached to the failure and learn. Um, you know, I, took, I, was, I was a chemistry minor in college. I did really well in the class, but did poor in the lab. And so I need to take it to the lab. That's really where the world is. <laughs> So it's the execution in the lab that matters. So great stuff, buddy. Yeah. Great stuff. So as we finalize podcast sure. karaoke, I know this was your favorite and most anticipated part. Are you singing solo with any of your teammates? And, and what did you choose to sing? So Jeff, I chose a song that I thought had a good message. Okay. So whoever wants to go through the suffering of hearing me sing, Try to listen to the words. It's called uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's called Carved Lines by Mahali. I think they're very very good. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Love so it. here. All right. Here we go. You ready? Cold 
and I feel old, and all these gray hairs warm up my soul. And though these lines on my face feel new, I've been carving them my whole life through. I eat the sun and I drink the rain. I treasure life, but loathe the pain. And when my eyes can't focus on the view, I have my memories to get me through. <laughs> yeah, I know it's easier to give up and turn off instead of rising up to the sky, throwing peace signs up in the air without a care instead of the letting the world define you. Oh, 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 oh. I've seen a lot. I've lost a ton. I've wasted time to have more fun. So many people have assisted in my game. One day I hope to make them proud of me. So many lies that I have told. So many wrongs I did unfold. I've grown strong in my 30-something years. And yet I can't shake my childhood fears. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Advisor. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and share it with your colleagues. And if you would like to talk about succession planning or practice acquisitions, please drop us a line. We would love to help you in any way we can. Advisors associated with Stratus Wealth Partners may be either one, registered representatives with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC, and investment advisor representatives of Stratus Wealth Partners, or two, solely investment advisor representatives of Stratus Wealth Partners and not affiliated with LPL Financial. Investment advice offered through Stratus Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial.